Good morning, bride. Good morning. Hey, don't you love these Bible studies? I'm telling you, these Bible studies are so amazing. I wouldn't take a million dollars for them. And I'm very thankful to the Lord to have this time uh, with the bride and to have this time in the Word and to have this time up here in the north because you, know, <laughs> you know what, bride? Y'all know I'm from the south and the Lord has really stretched me to have me move to Washington up there where it was so cold last year and then to come up here where it's even colder but you know what the lord has showed me that he is with me everywhere so all i have to do is just trust in him wherever i go and also i encouraged you this morning bride that whatever god has called you to come on now he will bring you through whatever he calls you to he will bring you through he will equip you for that mission you know, I keep saying that, Bride. I keep saying that about missions, but it's true. Uh, that's the way I live my life, is by missions. You know, the Lord sends me here, He sends me here, He does this. So, we cannot leave a mission until God tells us to, okay? So, we have to stay in the midst of the struggling and in the midst of the suffering. But the problem is, is that if we do not engage with God who brought us here, okay, and see the moment that we're in, the place we're at, the timing that we're in, we will miss the blessing and the cleansing, the correction that he may be doing, or the purging, or showing you love that you've never known. Whatever it is, if we push it to the side because our expectations are not being met or our desire, our real heart's desire for ministry is we want to be over here. We don't want to be here in the process. You see what I mean? We have to learn to engage the process and trust God that he knows what he's doing. We have to trust God that he knows what he's doing. So if he will bring you to it, he will bring you through it. So I just wanted to encourage some people with that because I know, I mean, I'm not oblivious to suffering. Believe me, I've suffered uh, many years and I understand there's a lot of suffering people out there. And I just want to encourage you that engage with God in the middle of your suffering. Do you know you can still learn? You can still be used by God in your suffering. A lot of people think they can't. They think they have to be over here. But while you're getting over there, there's a reason God has you here. So I encourage you, ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do today, today? What is your plan? You know where I'm at. You know what I have. And you know the surroundings I'm in. You know all this. Your eyes are upon the sparrow. So you know these things. Alright, bride, let's turn our Bibles to Second Chronicles chapter 22. Today we're doing 22 through 26. And I tell you what, who would have ever known 
that Second Chronicles would be such an exciting book. This book has just ripped me on the inside. I mean, just set me on fire. Because yesterday's Bible study, if, if y'all have never seen a Bible study before, go back and watch yesterday. There is none that compares to the nuggets of wisdom that God gave us yesterday. About, I'm talking about pertaining to current day events. So if you did not watch yesterday's broadcast, Second Chronicles chapter 17 to 21, You've got to watch that if you don't watch nothing. Because God, the fire of God was on that. The power of God. Him talking to us about what's happening today with the false prophets, true prophets, blah, blah, blah. That was yesterday. So, I'm excited to read this today because I'm like, Lord, Holy Spirit, you're so awesome. You know, uh, the way that you take us through your word and the way that you, the way that you teach us from... The scribes in the days of this. Remember, Brad, I told you that this is the their modern day media. We're watching television. This is the scribes of those days. And this is the real TV we should be watching. Amen. But when we look at these stories and it, it pricks our heart like it did yesterday, like, wow. This is why you did that? This is why this is happening? Oh my goodness. And it kind of takes our our mind and keeps it in proper order. You know, when we're reading the Word of God, remember the Word of God is like seeds. that It's like an examination. It's examining our spirit and examining our life. And it brings us to the light. This is why we need the Bible so much. It brings us to the light. And as we are reading it with our eyes, it is bringing a shift. I know I'm sounding all mystical. I don't mean to sound mystical, but I'm just telling you, like, you know, what I feel about the power of reading the Word of God. When we read the Word of God, it's like our eyes are seeing the seeds of God, the life of God, and the truth. When our eyes actually see a lot of filth out here, even if we don't want to. I mean, it just comes across. Like when you're just riding down the road, you see filth. You know what I mean? We see, Our eyes see things we don't want to see, okay? Our ears hear things we don't want to hear, okay? Because we're in a world that we are not of. We don't belong here. You know, me taking care of this 92-year-old woman, and I just rub her little hair, and I just tell her, wow, you're just going to be with Jesus. And I, I'm just so amazed that I'm with you, and you're so close, you know. Uh, just the thought of being over there in eternity is more important than all of this vomit that we have to put up with out here, you know. And the real life is this. The real life is the word of God, it's the truth. And bribe, we're going to be hated. We're going to be hated. Jesus was hated. We just have to allow the word of God to change us. We can't change everybody else. We can't control what all these crazy people are doing. But we want to change. Come on now. We want the word of God to equip us because we are the modern day scribe of our day. 
we're the media that's going to be read throughout eternity of our time. You know, all of those are books. I just, I don't know why I'm preaching, but I'm just going to go with the Holy Ghost. Come on. All of us have books that are written about our lives. And throughout eternity, I'm going to look out and say, Rochelle, when we're in heaven, I'm going to say, Rochelle, I am going to read your book. I'm going to read about your life. So we'll be in heaven and I'll be going here. And I'll, I'll come along to chapter 3 and I'll say, Rochelle, what was you thinking? Oh my goodness, I can't wait to see how God works that out. Scroll down, scroll down. Wow, Rochelle, look what God did. Isn't he so amazing? This is going to be us in eternity, bride. Our books are stories for God's glory. You do realize this. Your life is being documented in heaven. So we will be able to read each other's books because every one of us is a revelation of who God is. Remember when I told you about the Trinity, why the Trinity is true? Because the Old Testament reveals the heart of God the Father. Who is He? We understand His heart and His aspect of sin, His relationship with humanity, how He feels. We learn about God's personality. I mean, He's so intricate. And we get to learn who He is. Okay, so then in the middle of the book, we find Jesus who chose to come down here into the form of humanity, God incarnate down on the earth to come down here to be the sacrificial lamb. He chose it to be. This is why it's so important, bride, for us not to be little salvation because we as the bride have to choose to give up our life, our will, heart, and desire, and we have to go low just like a wife does has to go low and allow him to be the leader, okay? So we humble ourselves and we accept our role in the relationship and he accepts his role. He died for us and we died for him. Perfect marriage, perfect unity. All right, so in the middle of the Bible, we understand who Jesus is. Jesus come to the earth to tell us, I am the lamb. You don't have to follow those Hebrew roots anymore. I'm the lamb. <laughs> I brought you out. I mean, I, I'm bringing you people freedom. You don't have to do all that anymore. You just follow after me and go after the heart. Okay, so he says, I got to leave so that the Holy Ghost can come and reveal himself to you. See, this word of God is the revelation to us who God is. We are a revelation to him of who he is. Isn't that beautiful? So, Jesus leaves. Holy Ghost comes. Holy Ghost comes. Now he's on the inside of us. We are, we have the superpower. This is what I tell children. We have the superpower on the inside of us. He is our guide, not this fake New Age Jesus spirit guides out here that try to pull off on all these weird spirits out here. Forget all that. That is not holy at all. That's all um, divinity. Not divinity, but um, y'all know what I'm saying. It's satanic, new age, vomit. Anyways, the Holy Ghost is our guide. He's our teacher. 
He is our best friend. He is the one that will rebuke us. He will correct us. He will, you know, kind of push us back into line and kind of whip us a little bit. And say, you can't do that, daughter. Come back over here and get back on the straight and narrow path. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is now. We are the age of the Holy Spirit. When the time is done, in the end, when we leave, when the church leaves the earth, then the full revelation of God has been done. We now know who the Trinity is. We know who He is now. He is one. He is God made up of three, just like we are. I'm made up of three pieces. I am a body, you know. I mean, I am a spirit. You don't see the spirit, but the spirit is what God gave me. The spirit is who they designed up there, who is the, the head chapter of our books. So we are a spirit. We live in a body. This is the fleshly, you know, suit that I have. God chose me to look like this, not the fat, but the all the other, you know. <laughs> so, God chose me to look like this. God chose for me to have this body. So, I am a spirit. I live in a body. This is the fleshly suit. And I possess a soul, which is the mind, the will, and the emotions. And I told you this before, that when a person comes in the earth, and then up until salvation time, they have their own identity that's been shaped by their surroundings, it's been shaped by culture, it's been shaped by the lies of the devil, it's been shaped by television and the world and the education system and all this, it's been hurt, traumatized, and all the other things. Okay, this is your soul man. This is why, Bride, it is so dangerous to get involved with people that just build up your soul. Your soul is what needs to be squashed. Your soul is what needs to be retrained. Your soul is what needs healing. We don't need to build that up and, and make it, you know, expand on all the feelings. That is satanic to the bone. Why? Because the Bible says there's a war happening between your spirit man that wants to be right with God and wants you to make it to heaven. So the spirit man is at war with the soul man. So when you get saved, that's why you still have the battle. You don't just step right in the promised land and step right into heaven. This is why also all these people teaching that sin does not exist and sin does not bother you once you get saved is a lie from the pits of hell. Because sin wants this to be elevated, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Come on, you can do this. God understands. You can still be gay and God to understand all that. What is wrong with all of these uh, people over here that are just fundamentalist and judgmental people? Just be tolerant and allow us to just be operating in our soul realm. But according to the word of God, that's all a stench in God's nostrils. The spirit man has to overtake the soul. But how does the spirit man do it? Through the word of God. Through being filled with the Holy Ghost. Speaking in tongues. Allowing the Holy Ghost to pray through you. The Holy Ghost to have rain. Why? Because you're allowing your spirit man 
to have control of the worst member of your body, your tongue. So when you pray in tongues, you're praying in the perfect will of God. Okay, so you are, are putting this, the soul realm, under submission to the will of God. So why I'm going into all this this morning, I don't know. But I'm teaching you that we are uh, the image of God. Okay, we're made up of three parts, just like the Trinity is. All right, so the soul man has to be retrained. He has to be taught. But the only way to do that, bride, is to shut him up. Because your soul man is, the, is where your sin has shaped it. Your sin wants, your sin desires. The lust that has been in your heart from your past, just because you get saved, it does not leave. It's still there. You need to deal with that open door that was open. So you have this thing constantly, people still battling this and battling because it still has to be squashed. So how do you do it, Bride? You build up your spirit man, and the spirit man has to be the one that overtakes this. This is the one that says, I am great. I am, like I was telling you about the unicorns, just be you. You know, uh, it's all about the you, you, you. This is the soul. But in true Christianity, it's not like that, Brad. True Christianity says, this has got to go. You are not God. You are not special. You are, you know, your righteousness is as filthy rags. You have to realize that you are um, to be humbled. Because God is the one that is jealous for you. You can't be higher than God. He is jealous for you. He is God Almighty. And you have to know where your role is. You know. And it's not that we're being slaves. But the word does say we are slaves to Christ. But what it means is, is we understand that God is God. And we are not. So we have to come down. We have to... Let God pull those roots out and be less, 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 less of us and more of him. Okay. So I'm just encouraging you in this today because this battle that's taking place in our country right now between the two Jesuses being taught is a battle of the soul, which is what's being pushed because they attract feelings and they want to lure people in by their feelings. Okay, but over here is the truth because the truth is the word of God and the word of God says, no, you cannot do those things. You know, you have the, ten, you have rules, you have laws, you have the 10 commandments, you have repercussions for actions. Over here, you don't. Over here is the satanic do as you will type of deal. So, I'm just encouraging you in that today, Brad. Okay, let's pray and begin our Bible study. We're in 2 Chronicles chapter 22. And I tell you what, this Bible study, it is changing me. It is so amazing. I mean, 2 Chronicles is the media of the day back then. Chronicles is, we are walking back in time and, and we're seeing how does God examine kings? 
How does God feel about this king and this king and what he did? Why was this king favorable to God? And why was this one a stench to his nostrils? What did they do? And you know what, bride? It would be the same today. And we have learned a lot, and we're only on chapter 22 today. We have learned so much about how God feels about these kings that go off and think they're all that in a bag of chips, and they don't include God and put him first. That is the first thing we learn about judgment, isn't it, bride? Is when they leave God out. So, okay. Let's pray. Lord. Oh, how we love you this morning, Lord. We thank you so much for this time that we have, Lord, in 2019. We know that we're about to go through a lot of changes in our country and across this planet, Lord, in 2020. And we know that we are the modern-day Bible that's being written, the modern-day scrolls that are being written. We are living in a time that is being documented in heaven. Come on now. I'm about to speak in tongues. I'm about to... Bride of... <laughs> These Bible studies have been so amazing. If I fall on the floor, I just keep warning you this because... Woo, sometimes the fire of God hits me and I just, whew, praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Anyways, uh, Lord, the way that you've been teaching us in your word through these Bible studies, Lord, has been so amazing because you are God alone and you are so holy and beautiful and your word is true. Even when mankind, even when our generation uh, is doing a lot of things that the children of Israel were doing back in these days. And you're still God. You're still the same God as you was back then. And Lord, we just pray that today that you would have your way with teaching us again. And that you would bring your word to life, Lord. And we thank you for your presence. Because without you, Lord, we're nothing. Without you, we can't do anything. And we just humbly submit this to you today, Lord. And you're just so holy. I just I just worship you, Lord. You're so beautiful. Whew. Praise you, Lord. All right, Brad. Let's go to Second Chronicles chapter 22. And you all know uh, I like the King James Version. And I sit in these churches and I see them do all these other versions. And I'm like, you know... I'm reading like, that sounds a lot different than what the King James says. I will stick with King James because the Holy Spirit will illuminate. Now, I may uh, read the uh, Amplified Version to get like, a, you know, an expounded definition, but I definitely fall back on uh, the King James Version. Okay, the Version app is the one that I have that reads to us. Here we go. Second Chronicles 22. And the inhabitants of Jerusalem made Ahaziah, his youngest son, king in his stead. For the band of men that came with the Arabians to the camp had slain all the eldest. Oh, man. So Ahaziah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, reigned. Forty and two years old was Ahaziah when he began to reign. And he reigned one year in Jerusalem, 
His mother's name also was Athaliah, the daughter of Amri. A mother. He also walked in the ways of the house of Ahab, for his mother was his counselor to do wickedly. Oh, Lord. Wherefore he did evil in the sight of the Lord, oh, like man. the house of Ahab. For they were his counselors after the death of his father to his destruction. He walked also after their counsel and went with Jehoram, the son of Ahab, king of Israel, oh, to this war is terrible. against Asiel, king of Syria, at Ramoth Gilead. And the Syrians smote Joram. All right, pause. Remember when I told you when he mentions mothers, it's usually because the mothers did such a great job raising the king that he is uh, honoring the mother by putting her down in the Chronicles of Time. But this mother was obviously evil. This mother trained him up wrong, and now he is a stench in God's nostril. And I mean, this is terrible. All right, let's continue. And he returned to be healed in Jezreel because of the wounds which were given him at Ramah when he fought with Hazael, king of Syria. And Azariah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, went down to see Jehoram, the son of Ahab, at Jezreel, because he was sick. And the destruction of Ahaziah was of God by coming to Joram. For when he was come, he went out with Jehoram against Jehu, the son of Nimshai, whom the Lord had anointed to cut off the house of Ahab. And it came to pass that when Jehu was executing judgment upon the house of Ahab, and found the princes of Judah, and the sons of the brethren of Ahaziah, that minister to Ahaziah, he slew them. Uh -oh. And he sought Ahaziah, and they caught him, for he was hid in Samaria, and brought him to Jehu. And when they had slain him, they buried him, because, wow. said they, he is the son of Jehoshaphat, who sought the Lord with all his heart. So the house of Ahaziah had no power to keep still the kingdom. Wow. But when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the seed royal of the house of Judah. <gasps> but Jehoshaphat, the daughter of the king, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him from among the king's sons that Man. were slain, and put him and his nurse in a bedchamber. So Jehoshaphat, the daughter of King Jehoram, the wife of Jehoiada the priest, for she was the sister of Ahaziah, hid him from Athaliah, so that she slew him not. And he was with them hid in the house of God six years. And Athaliah reigned over the land. Wow, so this guy was evil and ended up being killed. And then his evil mother turned around and killed a bunch of other ones. Man, how Second creepy. And in the seventh year, Jehoiada strengthened himself and took the captains of hundreds. Azariah, the son of Jeroham, and Ishmael, the son of Jehohanan, and Azariah, the son of Obed, and Masiah, the son of Adiah, and Elishaphat, the son of Zichri, into covenant with him. Mm. And they went about in Judah and gathered the Levites out of all the cities of oh, Judah no. and the chief of the fathers of Israel, and they came to Jerusalem. And all the congregation made a covenant with the king in the house of God. And he said unto them, Behold, the king's son shall reign as the Lord hath said of the sons of David. This is the thing that ye shall do. A third part of you entering on the Sabbath of the priests and of the Levites shall be porters of the doors. And a third part shall be at the king's house, and a third part at the gate of the foundation. And all the people shall be in the courts of the house of the Lord. But let none come into the house of the Lord save the priests, and they that minister the Levites, 
They shall go in, for they are holy. But all the people... Pause! Pause, pause, pause. Another confirmation of what God is teaching us this week. What? Okay, so now they had an evil ruler. They got rid of the evil ruler. Now they have this other one that's a good one in God's eyes. And what are they doing as soon as he's establishing his kingdom? They are putting everything in the proper order of God. Remember we talked about this. Uh, the order of God properly honoring the times of the past. Honoring God's statutes with King David. The newfangled, like the way we would describe it in our generation, this newfangled Jesus, okay? This newfangled Jesus wants to do away with the old order. It wants to do away with all that. It wants to build this new structure. And they want it to be tolerant and mixed with all these other religions and mixed with all this uh, community, this universal Jesus. Everything is in unity with everything that's ungodly. But we learn time and time again. That's not the way God operates. God operates by honoring the way that he said to do it. There are repercussions to sin. And if you do it, you have to do it within a certain boundary. Okay? So let's continue here. We shall keep the watch of the Lord. And the Levites shall compass the king round about, every man with his weapons in his hand. See, that's the proper order, the, the Levites. House, he shall be put to death. But be ye with the king when he cometh in, and when he goeth out. So the Levites and all Judah did according to all things that Jehoiada the priest had commanded. See? And took every man his men. The proper order. were to come in on the Sabbath with them that were to go out on the Sabbath. For Jehoiada the priest dismissed not the courses. Moreover, Jehoiada the priest delivered to the captains of hundreds spears and bucklers and shields that had been King David's, which were in the house of God. And he set all the people, every man having his weapon in his hand, from the right side of the temple to the left side of the temple, along by the altar and the temple, by the king round about. And they brought out the king's son, and put upon him the crown, and gave him the testimony, and made him king. And Jehoiada and his sons anointed him, and said, God save the king. Now when Athaliah heard the noise of the people running and praising the king, she came to the people into the house of the Lord, and she looked, and behold, the king stood at his pillar at the entering in, and the princes and the trumpets by the king. And all the people of the land rejoiced and sounded with trumpets, also the singers with instruments of music, and such as taught to sing praise. Then Athaliah read her clothes, and said, Treason! Treason! Oh, man! And Jehoiada the priest brought out the captains of hundreds that were set over the host, and said unto them, Have her forth of the ranges, and whoso followeth her, let him be slain with a sword. But the priest said, Slay her not in the house of the Lord. So wow. they laid hands on her, and when she was come to the entering of the horse gate by the king's house, they slew her there. Wow. And Jehoiada made a covenant between him and between all the people, and between the king, that they should be the Lord's people. And all the people went to the house of Baal, <gasps> and break it down, oh, good. and break his altars and his images in pieces, and slew Matan, the priest of Baal, before the altars. Pause. Remember, bride, we have learned time and time again about God's heart about idols. 
He says, there should be no other idols before me. And when a person gets saved, that is the first thing God deals with, is the idols in their life. That's one of the fruits that you see a person when they turn from their wicked ways, when they turn from these idols. Uh, but all the kings that were right in God's eyes, that is the first thing they did, boy. They went and dealt with the occult in their land, and they pulled down the idols. They put everything in proper order. They put in the Levites in their proper order and the temple the way that God designed it. Not out of order. He did it in order. So this woman that came up there, let's go back and examine this because I'm a little confused. All right, so let's see here. In verse 7 of chapter 23, And the Levites shall compass the king round about, Every man with his weapons in his hand, and whosoever else comes into the house, he shall be put to death. But be ye with the king when he comes in and when he goes out. So the Levites and all Judah did according to all things that Jehoiada the priest had commanded, and took every man his men that were to come in on the Sabbath with them that were to go out on the Sabbath. For Jehoiada the priest dismissed not the courses. Moreover, Jehoiada the priest delivered to the captains of hundred spears and bucklers and shields that had been King David's, which were in the house of God. And there we go again about following the proper order. And so he did. He went and pulled uh, even King David's items and used them. Now when Athaliah heard the noise of the people running... Oh, wait a minute, let me back up. Okay, so verse 10. And he said, All the people, every man having his weapon in his hand, from the right side of the temple to the left side of the temple, along by the altar of the and the temple by the king round about. Then they brought out the king's son and put him on the crown and gave him the testimony and made him king. And Jehoiada and his sons anointed him and said, God save the king. Well, now that explains to us why uh, they still do it to this day. Even, you know, over there in England, they say, God save the queen, God save the king. So now we know why they do that. But uh, so everything so far, Brian, is in proper order to God and to God's precepts and to the way that God lined up his... Uh, boundaries okay so now in verse 12 now when Athaliah heard the noise of the people running and praising the king she came to the people into the house of the Lord and she looked and behold the king stood at his pillar at the entering in now who is Athaliah is what I want to know let's see if we see her in previous here Oh, okay. Oh, guess who is Athalia, bride? The mother of the evil king. Oh, my goodness. But, you know, like if you go to verse 10 in chapter 22, it says, But when Athalia, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the seed royal of the house of Judah. 
So she's the one that went and killed all them people, the evil woman. Athalia reigned over the land. Wow. So she had all this power. Until Jeho Jehodiah strengthened himself and then took all the captains and took it all, took the power back, basically. Okay, so now we know what's happening. So... Uh, verse 12, it says, Now when Athaliah heard the noise of the people running and praising the king, because remember at this time she's still running the land, she came to the people in the house of the Lord, and she looked, and behold, the king stood at his pillar. At the entering in, and the princes and the trumpets by the king, and all the people of the land rejoiced and sounded with trumpets, also the singers with instruments of music, and such as taught to sing praise. Then Athaliah rent her clothes and said, Treason, treason. Then Jehoiada the priest brought out the captains of hundreds that were set over the host and said unto them, Have her forth of the ranges, and whoso followeth her, let them be slain with the sword. Now remember, we talked about this yesterday, about the price of following apostasy. The price of following false faith, you know, evil agendas is that when you attach yourself to that you are putting yourself under that curse before god this is another example for the priest said slay her not in the house of the lord in other words don't give her the dignity of being in the house of the lord so they laid hands on her and when she was come to the entering of the horse gate by the king's house they slew her there and Jehoiada made a covenant between him and between all the people and between the king that they should be the Lord's people. Then all the people went to the house of Baal. So in other words, they dealt with Jezebel first. Then they went and dealt with Baal and they tore down all the altars and broke his images and people in pieces and slew Matan, the priest of Baal, before the altar. So in other words, everything having to do with that altar. All right, so let's continue. And I appointed the officers of the house of the Lord by the hand of the priests. Verse 18. The Levites, whom David had distributed in the house of the Lord to offer the burnt offerings of the Lord, as it is written in the law of Moses, with rejoicing and with singing, as it was ordained by David. And he set the porters at the gates of the house of the Lord, that none which was unclean in anything should enter in. And he took the captains of hundreds Do and, not the nobles, the unclean and the thing? governors of the people, and all the people of the land had brought down the king from the house of the Lord. And they came through the high gate into the king's house and set the king upon the throne of the kingdom. Wow. And all the people of the land rejoiced, and the city was quiet. After that, they had slain Athaliah with the sword. So God, we've seen a pattern of God, is a pattern of rest when they're pleasing to God. Second Chronicles 24. 24. Joash was seven years old when he began to reign. Seven? He reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Zibiah of Beersheba. Here's another mother. And Joash did that which was right in the sight of the Lord Yay, all the days we got of Jehoiada right the priest. And Jehoiada took for him two wives, and he begat sons and daughters. And it came to pass after this that Joash was minded to repair the house of the Lord. And he gathered together the priest and the Levites and said to them, Go out unto the cities of Judah, and gather of all Israel money to repair the house of your God from year to year, and see that ye hasten the matter, albeit the Levites hastened it not. Uh -oh. 
And the king called for Jehoiada the chief and said unto him, Why hast thou not required of the Levites to bring yeah. out of Judah and out of Jerusalem the collection according to the commandment of Moses Why the servant are you not of the doing Lord, this? Yes. and of the congregation of Israel for the tabernacle of witness? For the sons of Athaliah, that wicked woman, had broken up the house of God. And also all the dedicated things of the house of the Lord did they bestow upon Balaam. What? And at the king's commandment they made a chest and set it without at the gate of the house of the Lord. And they made a proclamation through Judah and Jerusalem to bring into the Lord the collection that Moses, the servant of God, laid upon Israel in the wilderness. Wow. And all the princes and all the people rejoiced and brought in and cast into the chest until they had made an end. Now Aww. it came to pass that at what time the chest was brought unto the king's office by the hand of the Levites, and when they saw that there was much money, the king's scribe and the high priest's officer came and emptied the chest and took it and carried it to his place again. Thus they did day by day and gathered money in abundance. Well... And the king and Jehoiada gave it to such as did the work of the service of the house of the Lord and hired masons and carpenters to repair the house of the Lord and also such as wrought God bless their obedience, the didn't he? The so the workmen wrought and the work was perfected by them and they set the house of God in his state and strengthened it. And when they had finished it, they brought the rest of the money before the king and Jehoiada, whereof were made vessels for the house of the Lord, even vessels to minister, and to offer withal, and spoons, and vessels of gold and silver. And they offered burnt offerings in the house of the Lord continually all the days of Jehoiada. But Jehoiada waxed old and was full of days when he died, and hundred and thirty years old was he when he died. And they buried him in the city of David among the kings, because he had done good in Israel, both toward God and toward his house. Pause. There is another pattern. The way that God honors death. You know, I'm here with this lady, uh, and God has anointed me to be with people when they transition from here over to here. Uh, because God honors death. And... If you honor God, he honors you at death. For instance, uh, in this case, the one, the kings that did good in God's eyes were able to be buried with David and in honor. And then when you look at Leah and Rachel, y'all know the story of Leah and Rachel? Uh, you have Rachel was the loved one. She was the one that was put in high esteem and was, you know, favored and, and, and all this, you know. Leah was always the pressed down. She was the slave of that day. She was pressed down, pushed down. Always hurting because he wouldn't love her. But in the end, bride, who was the one that God honored? It was Leah. Because Leah kept her heart right before God. And at the burial place is Leah. Shocker, it's not Rachel. So when it said that this king here was able to be buried with King David, it means it is established. It is good. He's able to be with David. So I just wanted you to know this is very important. Okay, so let's continue. Now after the death of Jehoiada came the princes of Judah and made obeisance to the king. Then the king hearkened unto them. And they left the house of the Lord God of their fathers and served the groves and the idols. Oh, and no. wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for this their trespass. Yeah. Yet he sent prophets to them 
to bring them again unto the Lord. And they testified against them, but they would not give ear. Pause. And pause, pause, pause. Listen, listen. <laughs> the good king dies. Okay. And then what happens right after that? Now, after the death of Jehoiada came the princes of Judah, which means people of, you know, high esteem in the kingdom, and made obeisance to the king, the new king. Then the king hearkened unto them. In other words, his pride got lifted up. And they left the house of the Lord, God of their fathers, and served groves and idols. So what's the first thing we see that led to idol worship? Pride. Then they went off to serve groves and idols. And what happened, Brad? What happened? The wrath came upon Judah. Remember, Judah's kind of set apart to God. They're very special to him. And they, when they go off and serve other idols, he is not happy. And Jerusalem, for this, their trespass. Okay? So what did God do? He sent prophets to them to bring them again unto the Lord, and they testified against them. What? The gloom and doom prophets? Why would they do that? They're in the house of the king, all these high people. They're in the house of the king. But guess what happened? These high ups would not listen to this prophet. And the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, the priest, which stood above the people, and said unto them, Thus saith God, Why transgress ye against the commandments of the Lord, that you cannot prosper? Because you have forsaken the Lord, he has also forsaken you. You're judging. How dare you speak a negative word? You are judging. That's what our modern time people would say about the prophets that speak according to the word of the Lord. Okay, so it says, Because you have forsaken the Lord, he has also forsaken you. So let's continue here. The Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the Verse son of Jehoiada the priest, which stood above the people, and said unto them, Thus saith God, why transgress ye the commandments of the Lord that ye cannot prosper? Because ye have forsaken the Lord, he hath also forsaken you. And they conspired against him and stoned him with stones at the commandment of the king in the court of the house of the Lord. What? Thus Joash the king remembered not oh, the kindness which... You mean to tell me they came against this prophet? Yes, you mean they did not celebrate him in the courts? No. They came against him and stoned him. My goodness. Jehoiada, his father, had done to him, but slew his son. Mm. And when he died, he said, The Lord, look upon it and require it. Wow. And it came to pass at the end of the year that the host of Syria came up against him. And they came to Judah and Jerusalem and destroyed all the princes of the people from among the people and sent all the spoil of them unto the king of Damascus. But the army of the Syrians came with a small company of men. And the Lord delivered a very great host into their hand because they had forsaken the Lord God of their fathers. So they executed judgment against Joash. And when they were departed from him, for they left him in great diseases, 
His own servants conspired against him for the blood of the sons of Jehoiada the priest and slew him on his bed and wow. he died. And they buried him in the city of David. But they buried him not in the sepulchres of the kings. He was in honor, was he, at his death? that conspired against him. Zabad, the son of Shemaeth, an Ammonitist, and Jehozabad, the son of Shimrith, a Moabitess. Now concerning his sons, and the greatness of the burdens laid upon him, and the repairing of the house of God, behold, they are written in the story of the book of the kings. And Amaziah his son reigned in his stead. Okay, we're on chapter 25. Let's learn about this son, this king. So now we just left an evil king. Let's see what this king is going to do. Amaziah was 25 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jehoadab of Jerusalem. Here's another mother. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Yay. But not with a perfect heart. Uh -oh. Now it came to pass when the kingdom was established to him that he slew his servants that had killed the king his father. But he slew not their children, but did as it is written in the law of the book of Moses, where the Lord commanded, saying, The fathers shall not die for the children, neither shall the children die for the fathers, but every man shall die for his own sin. Moreover, Amaziah gathered Judah together and made them captains over thousands and captains over hundreds according to the houses of their fathers throughout all Judah and Benjamin. And he numbered them from 20 years old and above and found them 300,000 choice men able to go forth to war that could handle spear and shield. He hired also 100,000 mighty men of valor out of Israel for an hundred talents of silver. But there came a man of God to him saying, O king, let not the army of Israel go with thee. Uh -oh. For the Lord is not with Israel, to wit, with all the children of Ephraim. But if thou wilt go, do it, be strong for the battle. God shall make thee fall before the enemy, for God hath power to help and to cast down. Wow! And Amaziah said to the man of God, But what shall we do for the hundred talents which I have given to the army of Israel? And the man of God answered, The Lord is able to give thee much more than this. Wow. Then Amaziah separated them, to wit, the army that was come to him out of Ephraim to go home again. Wherefore their anger was greatly kindled against Judah, and they returned home in great anger. And Amaziah strengthened himself, and led forth his people, and went to the valley of Salt, and smote oh, the children of no. Seir ten thousand. And other ten thousand left alive did the children of Judah carry away captive, and brought them unto the top of the rock and cast them down from the top <gasps> of the rock, that they all were broken in pieces. Oh, man. But the soldiers of the army which Amasiah sent back, that they should not go with him to battle, fell upon the cities of Judah, from Samaria even unto Beth Horon, and smote three thousand of them, and took much spoil. Now it came to pass after that, Amasiah was come from the slaughter of the Edomites, that he brought the gods of the children of Seir, and set them up to be his gods, <gasps> and no. bowed down himself before them, and burned incense unto them. Oh, no. Wherefore the anger of the Lord was kindled against Amaziah. Yeah. And he sent unto him a prophet, which said unto him, Why hast thou sought after the gods of the people, which could not deliver their own people out of thine hand? Wow. Are we seeing a pattern of God, or what? He sent a prophet. When he got off into air, God sent him a prophet. 
If they don't listen to the prophet, then they get exposed and they are destroyed. They are put over to the devil, basically. Man. Wherefore, it's so sad that this guy went back to worship them other gods, isn't it? It says, because in verse 14, it says that he bowed down himself before them and burned incense to them. Wherefore the anger of the Lord was kindled against Amaziah, and he sent unto him a prophet, which said unto him, Why have you sought after the gods of the people, which, should, which could not deliver their own people out of thine own hand? You know, Brad, this reminds me of when I went to the UN, and I was sitting there looking at all the evangelicals down there with all them other religions. And I was sitting there thinking... How terrible is this? You know, that we have just, that our country has gotten to this place. You know. And so, we cannot touch the unclean thing. We cannot partner with it. I keep saying it, but we're seeing it in his word here. We cannot serve the idols of our day. We cannot bow to the culture of our day. We have to honor God's precepts. We have to honor God's laws, even when it goes against the culture of the day. You look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Did they bow? No. Was they put in the fire? Yes. Was God with them in the fire? Yes. Will God, did the God not tell him, look, let's go back to this. He said, but there came a man, verse 7, of God to him. O king, let not the army of Israel go with you, for the Lord is not with Israel. To wit, with all the children of Ephraim. But if you will go do it, be strong for the battle, but God will make you fall before the enemy. And this is what I was telling you, Brad, about the LGBT and how we talk to them. Or how we talk to people questioning us about as you tell them like this. You're going to do what you're going to do. This is what the prophet's telling him. If you go, you're going to die. I mean, you can do what you're going to do. Uh, but that's what we tell people that want to partner with the acronym. Uh, tell them, okay, if you choose to label yourself with that, that is not who you are. But if you choose to put that label upon your forehead for the entire world to know how you like to have sex, then you have labeled yourself and you're going to hell because God does not partner with that. You can do it. I mean, it's your choice to go. It's your choice to do what you're going to do. But I have to tell you, as a man and woman of God, that if you make that choice, it's your choice. You was not born that way. It's your choice. If you choose to go down that road, then that's the consequence. And I pray that you don't make that. But that's what it's saying here. The prophet's telling him, now look, if you want to go, you can go. But you will pay a price and it will be your life. And look what happened, Brad. He ended up going. And that's sad because over here in 15 he says, Wherefore the anger of the Lord was kindled against Amaziah, and he sent unto him a prophet, which said unto him, Why have you done this with the gods of the people, who could not deliver their own people out of their hand? And it came to pass as we talked with him, that the king said unto him, 
Art thou made of the king's counsel? Forbear, why shouldn't thou be smitten? Wow. So he's saying, who are you? You're not the elite. You're not in my court's counsel. Why are you even talking to me? Then the prophet forbear and said, I know that God has determined to destroy thee because thou hast done this and has not hearkened unto my counsel. Wow. So God's going to back up his prophet. This is something as prophets that you should look for is that when God tells you to go out here and say something, he's going to back you up. You just have to obey him and say it. Okay, so let's continue here. And it came to pass, as he talked with him, that the king said unto him, Art thou made of the king's counsel? Forbear, why shouldst thou be smitten? Then the prophet forbear and said, I know that God hath determined to destroy thee, because thou hast done this, and hast not hearkened unto my counsel. Then Amaziah, king of Judah, took advice, and said to Joash, the son of Jehoahaz, the son of Jehu, king of Israel, saying, Come, let us see one another in the face. Oh, he listened and to Joash, him. king of Israel, sent to Amaziah, king of Judah, saying, The thistle that was in Lebanon sent to the cedar that was in Lebanon, saying, Give thy daughter to my son to wife. And there passed by a wild beast that was in Lebanon, and trod down the thistle. Thou sayest, Lo, thou hast smitten the Edomites, and thine heart lifted thee up to boast. Abide now at home. Why should thou meddle to thine hurt, that thou shouldst fall, even thou, and Judah with thee? Wow. But Amaziah would not hear, for it came of God, that he might deliver them into the hand of their enemies, because they sought after the gods of Edom. So Joash, the king of Israel, went up, and they saw one another in the face. Both he and Amaziah, king of Judah, at Beth Shemesh. I'm on the edge of my seat. Judah. And Judah was put to the worst before Israel, and they fled every man to his tent. And Joash, the king of Israel, took Amaziah, king of Judah, the son of Joash, the son of Jehoahaz, at Beth Shemesh, and brought him to Jerusalem, and brake down the wall of Jerusalem from the gate of Ephraim, to the corner gate, four hundred cubits. And he took all the gold and silver and all the vessels that were found in the house of God with Obed-Edom, and the treasures of the king's house, the hostages also, and returned to Samaria. And Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, lived after the death of Joash, son of Jehoahaz, king of Israel, fifteen years. Now the rest of the acts of Amaziah, first and last, behold, are they not written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel? Now to the time that Amaziah did turn away from following the Lord, they made a conspiracy against him in Jerusalem, and he fled to Lachish. But they sent to Lachish after him, and slew him there. So they killed him. And they brought him upon horses, and buried him with his fathers in the city of Judah. So they killed him. So he died in his pride. And all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in the room of his father Amaziah. He built Eloth and restored it to Judah. After that, the king slept with his fathers. 16 years old was Uzziah when he began to reign, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. 
mother's name also was Jehanah of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, Yay. according to all that his father Amaziah did. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. There's another key. And he went forth and warred against the Philistines. As long as they sought the God, he prospered. And the wall of Jabneh, and the wall of Ashdod, and built cities about Ashdod, and among the Philistines. And God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians oh, yeah. that dwelt in Gerbal and the Mehunims. And the Ammonites gave gifts to Uzziah, and his name spread abroad even to the entering in of Egypt, for he strengthened himself exceedingly. Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, and at the valley gate, and at the turning of the wall, and fortified them. Also he built towers in the desert. And digged many wells, for he had much cattle, both in the low country and in the plains, husbandmen also, and vine dressers in the mountains and in Carmel, for he loved a husbandry. Moreover, Uzziah had an host of fighting men that went out to war by bands, according to the number of their account by the hand of Jeel, the scribe, and Masiah the ruler, under the hand of Hananiah, one of the king's captains. The whole number of the chief of the fathers of the mighty men of valor were two thousand and six hundred. Hmm. And under their hand was an army, three hundred thousand and seven thousand and five hundred, that made war with mighty power to help the king against the enemy. And Uzziah prepared for them throughout all the host shields and spears and helmets and habergeons and bows and slings to cast stones. And he made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men to be wow. on the towers and upon the bulwarks to shoot arrows and great stones withal. And his name spread far abroad, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, <gasps> for he transgressed against the Lord his God. Pause. Pride. Pride, pride, pride again. See how pride is so dangerous, bride. But when he was strong, when God brought him up, then the pride hit him. Oh, man, see how pride is a destroyer. We've already seen just today alone that two kings were killed. Their destruction began with pride. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. Self-exaltation. God is not in that, bride. People's exalting their self, saying how great they are. God's not in that. For he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of the incense. Oh, man, when you think about that and you think about the Kanye the other day, think about the stench that was. Oh. And I'm just using this as an example. I'm just saying we have a modern-day situation. He stood in what is supposed to be the house of God, okay? He stood in the house of God and said, I'm the greatest thing God's ever created. See the pride of that? And then to be doing that in the house of God is dangerous. And Azariah, the priest, went in after him, and with him fourscore priests of the Lord that were valiant men. And they withstood Uzziah the king and said to him, It appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priest, the son of Aaron. Oh, no, he didn't. 
No, he did not just do what God had designed for the Levites to do. Remember, bride, when I told you about the proper order of God, this is another example. God has ways to deal with sin. And we cannot override this. God is God. And we cannot just say we're going to build up this new age Jesus and kind of deal with sin ourselves and heaven and hell and take everything into account ourselves. We cannot. God has an order. We have to follow that order. And this is a great example because this king, what happened, he got built up with pride first. Then he went there and thought of himself enough that he was going to be like Levites. The Levites were the children of Israel that God specifically assigned. They are the ones that are supposed to be doing this. They are anointed to do this. Remember, Brad, I'm going to take a little break and tell a story. Let me mark this. Do you remember when I was traveling in 2017 across the country and the God taught me many things in that 2017 mega revival tour? One of them was when I went to New Orleans and I was uh, going on the streets of Bourbon Street on a Saturday night to film the ministries that are out there in the middle of the hell. And so I wanted to document it, you know, on this tour. So I was out there. When I pulled up, it was uh, very dark that night, and I pulled up as soon as I got out of the car, Brad. I felt the evil, the gross darkness come to my chest, which the Lord has uh, taught me how to operate in the Spirit and how to recognize evil. One of the ways is when witches are around me, I feel this buzzing in my head. And it's like where they're trying to stop my frequency, you know. And so it's like a confusion. It's like, bzzz. and so I'm like, okay, all right, I see y'all, I bind you, you know. And then I started dealing with these witchcraft spirits. And I told you when I was in Washington, after I went over there and prayed at the, uh, uh, or to expose the Masonic Temple, uh, it was like a day later. I was, it was, it was the next day I was cooking and the witches had transported, uh, you know, they can translate, leave their bodies and travel. And so they had traveled to my apartment and I was in there cooking and I saw this come to my head and I was like, all right, I turned around and I could see in the spirit, it was like a coven of them, like looking at me and I dealt with them right then. And I said, I see you witches, and you cannot cross the bloodline. I command you to leave my apartment in Jesus' name. And so they turned around and left. They couldn't come past the bloodline because I had my apartment in D.C. It was anointed. So I had it, you know, already blocked. But the point is, is that um, when I went to New Orleans, the reason I told you that about Washington and the witches is that uh, the Lord has taught me over the years of my travel how to tell witches and how to tell gross darkness. So the gross darkness, when I got out of the car in 2017 in New Orleans, uh, they come right to me, boy. And I felt this heaviness on my chest. 
And I said, I see y'all. I knew they recognized who got out of that car and who was arriving and coming to their territory. They wouldn't leave me alone. I walked, and when I walked over to the Baptist church, which was the ones that had the authority, the city gatekeepers, okay, when I walked in the building to meet with the people that I was going to interview and to be a part of this ministry on the streets, it went like this, Brian. I walked right into, a, a, well, you know how I call it, a dome. I walked right into the protection. The demons had to stay out of there, but they couldn't. They stayed on me from the time I got out of my car until I got over here to this Baptist church. But when I walked in, they couldn't walk in. This was the gate. So I walked in, and I was like, wow. I mean, because it, it like lifted. I was in this dome now. So the Holy Ghost spoke to me, and he said, I want you to ask these people to pray over you and anoint you to operate in their territory. And see, the Lord has, all these things that God has done in my life, traveling, going to D.C., all this, has all been a boot camp for what's coming. Because he's taught me how to hear him and how to understand the spirit realm and all this other stuff. So anyways, I asked those prayer leaders, it was all gentlemen, and I said, Sir, uh, the Lord spoke to me and asked me to ask y'all to anoint me and pray for me. Uh, and grant me permission to walk out of this building and to operate because this is your territory that God has given you, you know. And so uh, they was like, wow, you know, nobody's ever asked us to do that. So they blessed it and they laid hands on me and gave me permission in the spirit to go out and operate. And guess what happened, Brad? Guess what happened? I walked out of that Baptist church and the dome stayed with me the rest of the night. I had the authority in the region to walk out there and minister to people. And the demons couldn't touch me because I was in my... And you know, that's the way it was as soon as I got to Washington, D.C. God opened up the door with the gatekeepers. I was anointed and placed into position and granted that authority. And it stayed that way for the whole assignment. So the point that I'm trying to make for this is what? Now I done forgot. I was telling you that story for something. Let me find my little spot. Oh, okay. So, the reason I was telling you that is that the authority that God had placed on the Levites, you can't touch that. God gave it to them. And Uzziah, because of his pride, thought he was better than the Levites. You can't do that. You have to honor God's authority. All right, so um, let's see here. All right, well, let's continue. And went to the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. And Azariah the priest went in after him, and with him fourscore priests of the Lord that were valiant men. Let me back this and up. Let me back. This is important for us to know. All right, we're going back to verse 13. One thousand and five hundred that made war with mighty power to help the king against the enemy. And Uzziah prepared for them throughout all the host shields and spears and helmets and habergeons and bows and slings to cast stones. And he made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men to be on the towers and upon the bulwark. 
guess would just come to me. He became prideful because of the creative energy. You know, they use that term today. The creativeness around them. They made engines invented by cunning men. And, you know, in other words, they did all these great and miraculous things, but it went to his head. To shoot arrows and great stones with all. And his name spread far abroad, for he was marvelously helped. Oh, he was, he was so strong. popular. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God, and went to the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. And Azariah the priest went in after him, and with him fourscore priests of the Lord that were valiant men. And they withstood. When it says they withstood him, you have to understand this, bride. They called it out. They addressed the error. You're judging them. You're, you shouldn't be speaking negative all the time. No, you're addressing the error. You would rather do that than them go to hell. And that's what these priests are doing. They're screaming, No! Don't do that. You will hurt God if you do that. That's exactly what happened, Brad. Uzziah the king, and said unto him, It appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests. It would not be good for you to do that, sir. That are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed. Go. Neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord God. Woo! Warning him. And Uzziah was wroth, and had a sense in his hand to burn incense. And while he was wroth with the priests, the leprosy even <gasps> rose up in his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. Oh, my And Lord. Azariah the chief priest and all the priests looked upon him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead. And they thrust him out from thence. Yea, himself hasted also to go out, because the Lord had smitten him. And Uzziah the king was a leper unto the day of his death. Oh, gross. And in a several house, being a leper. For he was cut off from the house of the Lord. And <sighs> Jotham his son was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. Gross, gross, gross. Now, Brian, I believe that in these days to come, uh, part of the revival, the days of the signs, miracles, and wonders is that I believe this is going to be a part of it, Bride, because we are going to see terrible things. A lot of the signs, miracles, and wonders that we're going to see is not going to be just, ooh, their foot grew back. Wow, they, you know what I mean? It's not going to be that kind of revival. I don't believe that for nothing. I mean, we're going to see these things, yes. But we're going to see terrible, we're going to see instant judgments against people from God. Instant, I, I really believe this with all my heart, that we're going to see these days. Because God is doing it as a sign to the sinner to repent. Okay, you want to get prideful and say you're God? This is going to happen. You see what I mean? Like, it's going to be stuff that people will see because people, people they get uh, convinced. They have 
settled in their mind that they're right. Okay, so this is what I was telling you about the first half of judgment is the mercy of God. That is the mercy of God. Because he's bringing a visual with the two men where they're doing all these miracle signs and wonders. And then he's bringing the judgment where he's bringing the calamity and all the natural things happening in the earth. He's bringing the mark of the beast where people will actually have to choose God or Satan. It's a visual to show the people, this is what's happening to you people. You're going to have to say yes or no. Now, this is your last chance. This is how much I love you. To smack you out of your stupor and say, wake up, oh son and daughter. Wake up. There is no more time. You're going to have to say yes or no. You're not going to be able to flirt around with the devil anymore. Okay? So, this is where we're coming to, Bride. I'm just telling you right now. Right now. These are the days that are coming. Because people are going to be so angry at the church. And God is going to protect his remnant. And there's going to be, like, say, somebody speaks against you and they fall over dead or something. You see what I mean? Like... It's going to be like instant uh, where people can see because the time is gone. There's not going to be this years of them deciding. It's going to be, okay, this is this flat, the type of just what we're seeing here. Let's continue. Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah, first and last, did Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, write. So Uzziah slept with his fathers. And they buried him with his fathers in the field of the burial which belonged to the kings. For they said, He is a leper. And Jotham his son reigned in his stead. So basically, he was not honored. He was not able to be a part of the thing. Because, what, did, what have we learned, Brad? It's not how you begin, it's how you end. Because today, we're seeing this so obvious right now. With these ministers that started out good, and they started out, or we think they did. I mean, we really don't know, but let's say a lot of them started out good, and, and they got on TV, and they, you know, got big, and, um, you know, it, it appeared that they were on the right track and whatnot, but in the end, they partnered with the Beast, and they partnered with the LGBT, and they partnered with the Unclean Thing, but now they've got millions of followers that are not going to question them. And so they'll just follow them right off a cliff. But the same thing happened here in the beginning. He did what was right before God. But in the end, he didn't. He got filled with pride and he ended up dying of leprosy. So what did we learn today in the Bible study? Well, we learned that pride is a killer. We learned that when kings arrive before God's eyes, immediately they deal with idols. Immediately. They, they turn and they deal with the idols of what their ancestors did and they tear them down. And uh, they do things in the proper order with God. And they honor God's laws. They honor the system that God had set towards sin. So, trying to change it and trying to do everything in your own will is not the right way with God. So, Brian, I'm telling you, was this, is this good or what? This little winter Bible study time that we have 
has been so amazing. Now, uh, this week, I am going to be uh, off for a few days. I'm going to be off Thanksgiving to Sunday because uh, I will be working on my book, so I'm going to be alone with God. Um, so I will not be doing Bible studies for this weekend, so everybody can have time with their family. But I'm going to work in my book, and then it does look like that next week I'm flying to Washington for a week. Uh, there's a lot going on. I'll be filming a lot of events and uh, going to the White House for Christmas, which is a dream come true for me. I applied six months ago and got approved. And then I'd like to say bye to some of my friends that I was not able to. So I'm praying it works out where I'll be able to go. And uh, so this, now that you know, I've been here for a while. This winter, Brad, is going to fly by. It, it is going to fly by. I've got to get focused on these books because it's more important to you that I finish these books. So after I come back from Washington, I may shut everything down, you know, until the first of the year to try to get through the books. And everybody's busy with Christmas anyway. It's the perfect time. So... Uh, I'll probably shut everything down until the first of the year, and then we'll see from there. So, um, I love you, Brian, and I pray that you have a good day today. God bless you.